0: Welcome, 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 everybody, Big Blue Nation! Welcome to newly rebranded podcast. This is the Kentucky Fifteen. We used to be called BBN Reactions, but in total transparency, just being honest with you, it didn't quite roll off the tongue enough for me. Not the, you know, not the way that I wanted it to. So here we are, the Kentucky Fifteen. All of your Kentucky news, your Kentucky recaps, insight and breakdown in fifteen minutes or less. Today we got two things on the docket. We're going to look at B.J. Boston, and we're going to look at the Kentucky loss to Alabama. The Cats drop their first SEC uh, loss of the year to you know fellow undefeated SEC opponent, opponent Alabama. Kentucky loses by 20 points. Okay, now. Kentucky didn't play good. We don't really need to go into that. Okay. You guys watched the game. You saw that the Cats did not look good. They struggled to score. Um, you know, turnovers were an issue. Getting the ball into the post was an issue. It just was not a very good game. Okay. But what I do want to look at is a simple statistic here Alabama made more threes. That's 16. Alabama made more threes than UK even attempted. Okay. Kentucky attempted 14 threes. Alabama attempted 30 and they made 16. Okay. That is by very definition, a perfect example of new school, you know, offense versus old school offense. Calipari is is tried and true to his outdated, you know, archaic, old school offense. Um, it's very stale, and I, th- I think what you know in the losses that the Cats have had this year, yes, shooting was an issue, especially before Dante Allen got on the floor. But almost all. Kentucky players catching receiving the ball in the perimeter were being hounded' were being pressured you no know, passes were being deflected passes were were you know heavily defended and when players were catching the ball they were under constant pressure and it's because everybody knows Cal's offense everybody knows this robotic archaic offense in which the ball has to go here then it has to go here then it has to go here and it has to be reversed here and you know it, it's easy to scout and I think that's why you saw so many opponents you know thus far in the year really put Kentucky players under pressure on the perimeter. And Kentucky doesn't have John Wall. They don't have Brandon Knight. They don't even have Andrew Harrison. They don't have, you know, a really fast, quick guard to get around his man or a strong enough guard to to absorb contact and get around his man. So the Kentucky offense is always on the back foot, okay? Because again, teams are forcing them further away from the basket and they're doing that by taking away the next pass and by taking away space and position on the floor because they know where Kentucky wants to go. There's no real creativity Uh, There's no real flow and and nuances to the offense. It's It's that old mover block, right? It's incredibly outdated. And when you guard that every day in practice, when Kentucky guards their own offense, when Cal splits it up five on five, when they guard their own offense, it's probably really easy to guard, okay? There's pretty much there's uh, three, maybe four guys standing still and another guy kind of running off some screens. There's not a lot of movement going on. And so when Kentucky now all, all of a sudden has to guard Alabama, who has a lot of, of breakdowns, they have a lot of creativity, uh, their offense is flowing, you know, they're they're shooting from the perimeter, but they're also using shot fakes and trying to drive past you. They're trying to make, you know, defense collapse and kick it out. Kentucky doesn't guard that in practice. That's not how they play. And so tonight it it was very evident that Kentucky was unprepared and they were outmatched and Kentucky was trying to scramble all over the place. They were losing guys. There was miscommunication. They were collapsing when they didn't need to collapse and Alabama just feasted on it. Okay, They they probably should have put up uh, 100 points on Kentucky. They got to 85. But, you know, it, it it was just very evident that Kentucky is playing an old school style of basketball. Alabama is not. And I think that's that's, you know, also going to play out in Recruiting. I think it's going to be really, really tough for Coach Cal to bring in those high-level, you know, really dominant players who want to play in an open concept offense, who want to play in a more modern offense. And if you've got, you know, rival schools like let's just say Alabama and like Tennessee. You know, schools who are playing much more open like that, they're going to be more and more attractive, you know, and you see that with Gonzaga, you know, Jalen Suggs. Why would he go to Gonzaga? He was one of the five star, one of the top players in the nation. He's going to go to a a mid-major. Well, it's because they have an open offense. They have a five out offense. They have a modern offense. Okay, and you're seeing that more and more, you know, where. Some of these players are going away from Kentucky, and Kyle's not really getting those lottery picks anymore, and I think a lot of it has to do with that offense that that he's using. Okay, now brings me to my next point, and that's B.J. Boston and the troubles, the the, the just absolutely gut-wrenching play of B.J. Boston. I feel bad for the kid, you know, Everything I've seen is he is a wonderful young man. Everything I've seen is there's no real attitude issues or anything like that. It doesn't seem there's any crazy, selfish ego, but he is playing terribly, okay? I went back and watched uh, full game Sierra Canyon versus Birmingham, full game Sierra Canyon versus Brentwood, and unfortunately, and this could be revisionist history, but unfortunately, it was kind of the same, okay, where he was weak, and he was soft, and he didn't really work hard for, for buckets, and he didn't you know, crash the glass when he should have. And he liked to float around the perimeter. And in transition, you could stop him if you put a body on him. You could stop him if you collapse a little bit. And he's just going to drive into traffic. He's not going to finish through contact. He's not going to drive through bumps. You know, if he feels that contact, if he feels that bump, he's going to throw up kind of a runner. or He's going to do a little step back jumper. Um, he is, I, I just still, because uh, you obviously don't see any kind of dominant player when you watch him at Kentucky. You don't see any kind of lottery pick. You might not even see a top 20 pick, a top 25 pick, but he had such big expectations. And so I wanted to go back and watch those high school games, and I just don't see it. I mean, yes, he is playing against you know inferior opponents, so he looks pretty good, but I don't see you know, any kind of lottery pick, you know, um, tendencies from him. I mean, there's nothing dynamic. There's nothing explosive. You know, he's he's not bigger and faster, stronger than anybody. And he's not, you know, any kind of lights out three-point shooter. And there's nothing I see in his game at Kentucky that lets me think, yep, that's where he's going to have success at the next level. You know, you could look at even like Emmanuel quickly, and man, he is such a good shooter. He can have success at the next level. He's a good defender. He can have success, right? Uh, You even look at... You know, players like um, P.J. Washington, right, and how strong he was and how aggressive he was. Um, You know, he wasn't a great shooter, but he was a bulldog and he worked hard. And the same thing for like a Julius Randle. You look at Tyler Hero and the different ways that he could score and how consistent of a shooter he was from the outside and how he was actually a lot, you know, uh, a lot more slippery and a lot more creative than people gave him credit for. Uh, but then you look at someone like Ashton Hagens, and you're like, you, how is he going to get drafted? You know, he's definitely not a first-round player. There's so there's many flaws in his game. I see B.J. Boston like that, and I, I really, really am concerned for his future. I, if I'm comparing BJ Boston, I look at Archie Goodwin and I look at James Young. And I, I see BJ Boston as those kind of players where they were both terrible passers because they've never passed in their life. Uh, neither one of those players met a shot they didn't want to take. And neither one of those players were overly concerned about the defensive end. And this is bad for BJ Boston because neither one of those players really had an NBA career, so to speak of. And, you know, at uh, both of those players, you could maybe look at and say a second year at Kentucky would have been very beneficial for them. And so I'm worried about Boston because he doesn't look comfortable, right? Uh, there's nothing that screams NBA about his game. And and a lot of the buckets he gets are just kind of cherry picking easy transition buckets that he's not really working for. He's not really creating. And I, I, I think BBN gets sick of hearing this one and done stuff. And why do players leave early? Blah, blah, blah. Boston needs Kentucky for one more year. He's slipping in all the draft boards. There's no evidence at all to suggest that'll change anytime soon. Um, I, I think if he can come back next year, I think he can come back stronger. I think he needs to work on, um, you know, dynamic movements. I think he needs to be more ex- explosive. But I also think he needs a little time to get his mind right. And he needs to reflect on how this season has gone and how poorly he's played. And I think that mental exercise and reflection could really help him climb back up those boards. Until then, though, I think you've got to you've got to send your focus elsewhere. I think you've got to continue really looking at and focusing on players like Dante Allen and Toppin. I think Allen spaces the floor better than any player you have, and he can sprint the wings in transition. He can go grab some rebounds. Toppin plays as hard as you know, anyone else any given night. And he can defend all five positions. Crashes the glass, loose balls. He has intangibles. I think you need more minutes for those guys. And and topping, especially offensively, the more minutes he gets, the better he's gonna look, the more comfortable he's gonna be. Okay. Um, Brooks, same thing. I mean yeah. Florida, low expectations, first game back, looked great. But, you know, last night against Bama, he did not look good at all. And he really struggled. So I think we need more minutes for him to make him more and more comfortable and more and more composed on the offensive end. Uh, he's going to continue needing more minutes to get where we need him to be, okay? Bama didn't look good. It wasn't like Florida. So he needs those minutes. He needs to get more comfortable. He needs, you know, to to be more composed and, you know, more fluid moving forward. And I, I just think that's going to be hard on Cal because I, I think it's hard on B.J. Boston. You uh, took, you know, Cal took – Devin Askew out of the starting lineup and, you know, had him reflect. And look, his game has really improved. He, he's he been one of the better players for the Cats moving forward. Will Calipari do that to B.J. Boston? Could Calipari go with, let's just say, like a, um, a Mintz, an Askew, a Brooks, an Allen and a Sar lineup. Could he go with something like that? Okay, and then Boston can can come off the bench and um, you know he he can he can reflect and he can watch that game in the first four or five minutes and maybe he can think and, and he can look ahead and he can use some some forethought on this is the this is what I'm seeing. These are the gaps I can attack or this is this is how I can attack. You know this Ole Miss defense and maybe that'll help. I don't know, but. You know, the play that we're seeing from BJ Boston right now just is not very good, and unfortunately, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's going to take really strong character, and it's going to take really good teammates to sit there and say, You know what? I'm fine with this guy playing over me. I'm fine with Calipari letting him make mistake after mistake after mistake, miss shot after shot after shot while I sit on the bench. And we saw that with Dante Allen. It wasn't fair. I mean, Coach Cal was wrong. It's as simple as that. Cal, I'm coming after you, buddy. You were wrong. Dante Allen should have been playing more minutes. And, you know, I I think that's something that you look at BJ Boston, and those are minutes he probably needs to have going somewhere else. And maybe – we don't want to dig ourselves in holes. We don't want to get off to bad starts in, in the game where, okay, now we'll put Dante Allen in that we're down six points, that we're down eight points. I just don't think that's fair for the rest of the team. I, I, I'm i not saying whatsoever that Calipari is losing the locker room, even though we saw the stuff with Fletcher and then Isaiah Jackson had a little bit of emotional breakdown in the sidelines too. But I think it can be very difficult for players to sit there on the sidelines and watch a teammate play over them. That doesn't really seem To be deserving it. Okay. That's my piece. That's my 15 minutes. Getting getting you out of here in 12 and a half minutes. I've got another episode coming tomorrow, probably another one after that. I'm going to try to send out more content to you guys. Okay. If you would on Twitter, you can follow me at the Kentucky 15. Okay. Engage with me there, comment, um, share, retweet, whatever you want, argue with me. I don't care. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Please, please, please continue to, to listen, to like, subscribe, do that thing. Appreciate it.